Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Connor, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 126th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh. Yeah, podcast uh, uh. for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for, for February 1985, progs 403 to 406. Oh, this, man. Yeah. This time, the GIs have gone back to the chips. Nemesis and Torquemada <laughs> show down. The Hell Trekkers continue mutant fighting. And the City of the Damned concludes. In oh, a really, uh, really yeah. cool way. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe a certain lady begins her space adventures once more. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> um, um, it's such a good month. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this episode, Fox, is, as, as, as people listening to it know, uh, is coming out on October the 8th, which means that this one's going to be our two-year anniversary of doing the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, first, man. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. First episode, October 5th, 2016, which feels Damn. like a whole different world than it was, than it is now. You know what I mean? Things oh, made God, sense I, back then. <laughs> oh, my God. I uh, I remember where we were, what we were doing. Yeah. We're in completely different situations than when we were then <laughs> living in either different countries or different part of the countries with different jobs at different companies. Um, you know? uh, yeah, I, I, it's bizarre. Like, I don't think that this many things have happened in a two-year period to me before. Like, outside of, yeah. like, going to university or something like that, like, a lot has happened between you and I for two years. I definitely agree with that, and it's really been really amazing to have uh, this podcast to come back to constantly. You know, it's been an, yeah. an anchor to me and something that I've just really, you know, I constantly look forward to. Like, you know, um, if you, if you talk, if you, if, you know, anyone who's ever talked to me in real life can say that, um, when I run out of things to say, I'll just start talking about this show. <laughs> like, well, it's just not? a big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, of so, course. so, so on my podcast, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Push up your glasses, you know. Indeed, yeah. But so, uh, since we already had a big thing with the hundredth episode this year, I didn't want to mm. really want to make too big a deal about our second anniversary. You know, I don't want like I don't want to take too long being like, "Hey, like, say we're good." But uh, <laughs> on, great. yeah, totally. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Unprompted though, um, our reader Joe did send us an email. Oh um, yeah. Uh, I, so yeah. yeah, do you mind if I read it? Please go ahead. All right, so I uh, just wanted to say how delighted I am that Fox is loving Helltrekker so much. It's always been a personal favorite of mine, but not with a lot of other people. In a comic of invulnerable superheroes, this story of ordinary, everyday folk being ground down in a terrifying massacre week after week came as a real breath of fresh air. Fresh, but hideous, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Lalia's scratchy art uh, is the perfect blend of the mundane and the nightmarish. It's great to hear it that it's tugging on Fox's heartstrings. Sorry, the endless death is getting con or getting you down, Conrad. Yeah, you know. But yeah, <laughs> but as always, you do a brilliant job of explaining why you don't enjoy it. And anything, or and sorry, excuse me. And speaking of an epic journey, uh, or of epic journeys through incredible landscapes where the toughest challenges still lie ahead, you've got a trio of epic milestones coming up next month. And I wanted to congratulate you on all of them. You've pursued your dreams through eight years worth of progs, 400 issues, 
and now comes the podcast's second anniversary. Amazing. In in uh, I'm in awe of your endless enthusiasm. Thanks for all the hours you put in to share with us. It's not just the nostalgia, although that's huge, but you guys are all are really inspiring uh, a double act in terms of your dedication and grit and good humor. We should all tackle our lives the way you're tackling 2000 AD, Joe. And this, I just wanted to say, like, like, because we've talked about the community a lot that's that's sort of listening into the podcast and mm-hmm. like just especially from this and thank you personally joe like this was such a touching like message to receive from you but like to the to like all of you guys listening like we're certainly like humbled by like how much enthusiasm you guys are also bringing to this right like you know yeah. we are doing this for fun and now you know knowing that we've got this you know group of people that are really enjoying it it just kind of brings a lot more energy to the to the whole experience and you know speaking for myself and i'm i'm sure i'm speaking for you as well conrad like we are we love doing this show we love like getting these interactions from you guys and it's really touching yeah. that like these experiences can be shared like i really appreciate it yeah absolutely yeah i i love doing the show it's always the highlight of of you know of the day or the week when we record an episode and stuff. It's great talking yeah. to Fox and doing all this stuff. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it's also been, yeah. And, and, and like you said, Fox it has been really great. Just, yeah. Everybody who's reached out and talked to us about the show and all that stuff. That's always really mm. amazing. Um, you know, whether it's, it's emails or like iTunes reviews or just something like a tweet or a Facebook message or something like that, you know, it's always mm. really appreciated. And like, you know, I, I, I always send things along to Fox when I, when I got them to stuff that I control <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, like, you know, it definitely is an amazing thing. Um, and yeah, and you know, I mean, it's been a great two years doing this and here's to oh, many man. more. Yeah. I'd, Absolutely. I'd, totally. Yeah. I'd like to be super humble and say that I'd never make it that far, this far, but that's not true. Um, I've always assumed <laughs> that we would be successful in climbing this hill and I fully intend that one day we'll cover all of 2000 AD. Uh, no one can stop us. We're a uh, railroad of comic book recapping that is on a track and cannot be uh, finished. <laughs> Spread the word. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Damn, yeah. man. Sorry. I'm just like, That's a great little manifesto. But like, yeah, listen, like, I don't know. No, it's, it's just funny. I know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I've never not thought that we would be able to do it. So <laughs> it's been yeah, fun. Of it's been fun for us to be able to do it. You know I mean? I got like plans. Yeah. I got plans for this show into the 90s. Like, I'm ready to do it. <laughs> like, oh, we just got to get there, you know? <laughs> I just keep. I'm... <laughs> We just stay in the eighties. It's so nice and warm. I mean, we got like another year, like like calendar year of the eighties. So don't worry about it too much, you know. Like twenty twenty nineteen is going to be all eighties, you know. Oh man, but yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much, Joe, and just for everybody else. It's been um, so welcoming of us into this fandom. You know, it could be easy to just say, "Oh, look at these uh, American hacks" or something like that. But um, yeah. Everybody's been real nice, and you know, yeah, just just, just cheers to you, buddy. Here's to many more uh, years of re- talking about dumb comic books. <laughs> if excuse uh, me, the galaxy's greatest comic yeah, book for recapping more of the galaxy's greatest dumb comic book. <laughs> if you. <laughs> 
if you want to read along with us as we continue our uh, massive trek, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 8, Rogue Trooper Tales of New Earth 2, um, Nemesis the Warlock 1, The Stainless Steel Rat Collection, um, Halo Jones uh, Book 2, and you can find Hell Trekkers collected in the Judge Dredd magazine issues uh 218 to 223 and i should mention that a lot of people have been talking to me about that there's um that that hell trekkers is in one of the judge dread mega collections and that's definitely true and i knew that the problem is that it's hard to get those especially like if you're in in in, in the states basically like mm. um you know like i you know i'd have to ebay them basically because they only they, they didn't uh hatch it didn't sell them out here um in america only to like england and stuff so i'm 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 listing the magazine because that's something you can go in the 2000 ad app and just buy those and buy those issues if you want to read it basically that's sort this of one's my, for you, Rebellion. I mean, you know, that's just my reasoning for it, basically. Like, just oh, if you want to do it, you know. Um, yeah. Back Anyhow. issues. Hashtag back issues. Yeah. Hashtag, like, put it all online, buddy. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I got money. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> with that said, Fox, um, hey, we're getting started for another year. You know who else is getting started on some new adventures? It's- uh... <laughs> it's through one rogue trooper. Oh, that's totally who I was going to guess. I think that's right. <laughs> Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, leather robot Bill Nuttall. Oh man, everybody's disintegrating. What are we going to do about it? I guess. Yeah, man. On More his wedding just... day, Helm's body has begun to disintegrate, <laughs> and it's all rogue... as as they always do on a wedding day. <laughs> oh man, I talk about Your cold feet, self. but disintegrated feet. Oh. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Worst condition, really. <laughs> it's true. It's great. Oh, I got the, those disintegrating feet. Ran off of the bridesmaid, you know. Um, but oh it's all it's God. it's all broken due to hold Helm's mouth shut, so that oh. his screaming as his body disintegrates doesn't give away their position because they're in the middle of a silent running drill. <laughs> this is like really just. The most horrible thing to do. <laughs> totally. The now dusted GI's chip is harvested and uh, re. And basically, he's just sort of put in a computer, and he's like, you know, like get Azure out of here. I don't want to see me. I don't want to see. I don't want her to see me like this. More chip than man. <laughs> like a giant floating skull on a computer yeah, on, monitor. On, yeah, like they don't even. They didn't even like uh, shell out for a wireframe to like get let them be able to be animated on the computer screen. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, um, they they have vector graphics. I'm sure could, of that they could do it. Uh, Bagman comes in and he's also falling apart as he does, which <laughs> it looks pretty <laughs> like, bad. He just finds them to disintegrate in front of them, which yeah, I'm pretty impressed by. Yeah, he goes straight Spider Man on him, like oh rogue, I don't feel so good. <laughs> Oh, oh, <laughs> um, that's oh, right. It's uh, so it looks like they picked up some sort of virus while they were in the Neverglades in that message for Millicom story. Um, mm-hmm. Learning of all this, Gunner holds up in a shooting rage, not wanting to become a chip again, but like, screw you to your informed consent about this <laughs> stuff, I guess. Because um, instead, Rogue just flushes him out an airlock and his chip is harvested from his dead body in zero in, uh, in, in, in the vacuum. I feel like one of the one of the soldiers should have just been like, "Oh, it's a good thing we 
got that had that airlock right there because oh boy yeah, would have been true. bad if we didn't <laughs> good thing yeah um so there's only one cure for the virus it's an antigen that can't be made in a lab the genies don't know where to find those the genetic engineer guys that made rogue and stuff like that they don't know where to find it but high command does and rogue heads up to ask them so like because they're hinting very heavily that it's like on another planet Right. Yeah. With a kidney um, in a lab, that might, would, means it must be naturally reoccur- naturally occurring, you know? Yeah. Right. So if it's a virus from New Earth, but they have to go to another planet, like, what? I mean, maybe the cure isn't, uh, you know, maybe it's a virus that's uncurable on New Earth. So it's like, you know, you got to go to another place to find it. I don't know. <laughs> it virus, doesn't. I mean,. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. No. You're you're totally right. You know. Whatever. Man, we gotta get this. We gotta get this next story going. You know. <laughs> and let's not go back to New Earth. I, well, I'm doing spoilers. Sorry. Now nah, we gotta. You know. We gotta find more places. Rogue heads to high command, and it really reminds me a lot of uh, Cam Kennedy's work on the VCs. I guess because oh, yeah. it's got a lot of like cyborgs and aliens and stuff. Um, all yeah, sorts. Apparently, of... to be like a commander in chief or whatever you. You gotta look real weird. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, They're commanding a whole galactic war as Rogue sort of punches his way through. He demands (laughs) the cure, and uh, Star Marshal Nukram Lamal agrees to talk to him about it. Um, It turns out that the antigen is only found on one planet, but the planet itself is classified. After a quick check among themselves, super classified. Yeah, it's on a need-to-know basis, and after a quick discussion between the brass, they decide that Rogue doesn't need to know and he's sent Damn. back to his quarters yeah a few days later though rogue figures out a plan um he's found the spare part drawer where they keep all of Lam- uh, uh lamal's like <laughs> spare parts i guess it's like, like, <laughs> and that's not under lock and camera right no he just kind of walks up and snags uh, lamal's replacement eye then he climbs up the uh up the elevator shaft to the command center and uses that fake eye to access his computer so he basically uh demolition mans his way into this oh, uh system that's awesome Listen, I'm your number one source of Demolition Man jokes, Fox. Believe it. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I I love Taco Bell. Me too. And uh, <laughs> like all and like a lounge lounge versions of computer of uh, computer jingles, though, though <laughs> so or a, a, of a commercial jingles. Though I don't know how to use the three seashells. Anyhow, oh wow, <laughs> Rogue gets the info. The antigen Neva is on the planet Horst. And he manages to find a ship that will take him there. It's basically like a uh, like like a recon satellite that he can basically just sort of tag along on. Um, mm. He uses Lamal's works. Oh, sorry. As this happens, Lamal himself enters his command room and Rogue knocks him out, and then uses um, his workstation to basically order a ship to be launched that that he can be aboard. Um, he sneaks. He uses down. the Vulcan the sleepy sleepy. Yeah, finish. yeah. He straight up uh, nerves. Nerve pinches him for sure. Mm. <laughs> so uh, he goes down to grab the chips and gear. Along the way, he bumps into Azure, you know, Helm's uh, fiance, who thinks he's been officially dispatched to get the uh, the antigen. And so Ugh. she requisitions him a Mark II GI rifle and backpack, and eventually an upgraded helmet as well. <laughs> you can say why not? 
I mean, her boyfriend's in the helmet. I'm surprised she didn't make a bigger deal. Okay, anyhow. Uh. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's the super, uh, it's the Mark III experimental super helm that can't be destroyed like, or some it's shit. On, it's on the second page. At first, I was like, what, there's no new helmet? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So Rogue heads out, but Azure, as Azure's caught by the military fuzz, uh, she learns that, G, that, that the GI is going rogue once more, and she feels betrayed, especially when we That's learn that... in the name. It's Riz, right? there in the name um we learned that horse has been abandoned by the southers six weeks ago so he's going into complete and enemy territory but then why would it be classified i guess we'll find out i mean if they might have class it might like just generally like you don't want to know where your secret stuff or you know maybe they don't want anybody to know too much about this neva stuff because it's powerful or something so they don't want to like maybe. make a, a big deal about it especially now that the plan's been lost or this is sort mm. of it's just sort of at a medium level of classification, like I think most military information has some level of classified to it, you know, mm. um, like you, you just don't tell everything to everybody. Um, and so they decided that, that they didn't want to tell Rogue because they, they figured out that if they told him, he would do exactly what he's doing right now. And it's hard to blame them because he is doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the okay. Southers let him go as he flies off because horse, horse is a death trap anyway. Um mm. Out of reach of Millicom, Rogue reactivates the chips' voice comms and tries to check the data on Horse to find Antigen, only to find that Azure has deleted all that data remotely. Damn you, Rogue Trooper. It's it's cool. Um, yeah, she wants to. She cut the info to try to get him to abandon the mission, but he said, but Rogue is uh, does doesn't want to. He sees a Nord alien cruiser destroyed by Souther forces and takes that as an omen. And it's also kind of foreshadowing, like um, in this new fight, I'll just let you know, Fox. Like it's going to be far less uh, Rogue fighting humans and far more Rogue fighting different kinds of aliens that are on very the various sides and stuff like that. So it's sort of talking about that as well. Um, okay, that might be neat. Yeah, it could be something. Um, still, it's not good to go in blind. And as he approaches the planet, Rogue realizes that this whole thing is too dangerous and prepares oh. to turn around. But then Bagman with the servo arms from his backpack takes the wheel. He's like, nope, we're going in, baby. Yeah, these chips want their bodies and they'll take any risk to do so. They're oh, headed back into action and Rogue Trooper will return in Prague 410. All right, then. Uh, so, question. Yeah. Genetically uh, engineered infantrymen, right? Yeah. GIs. Genetic inf infantrymen, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So these guys, from what I remember, were genetically engineered to survive specifically New Earth. Yep. Yeah, who's to say how they'll, re how they'll deal in this new planet, for sure? Yeah, it's that's a, kind it's of... A, it's a problem. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I'm, hoping for some, I'm hoping for some thrills around this. I know everyone says once the Trader General's gone, it goes kind of downhill. This seems like it could be all right, but yeah. you know, once again, I mean, we got to get these chips regene, so glad yeah. that's the through line. Got to chip these chips, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and speaking of uh, new adventures starting and old ones ending, Fox, Ooh. let's uh, get great. Let's get gothic with uh, Thrill 2, Nemesis the Warlock. Oh my god, it's just, it's it's so gooey. This whole thing is so oogie. I love it's it. It's true. Yeah, the whole thing is just like a big bowl of like of like sludge. It's crazy. <laughs> I love this. I love Nemesis so much. Yeah, man. Script robot Pat Mills, art robot Brian Talbot, letting robot Steve Potter. So, uh, Torquemada, last time he cut Nemesis' head off, and now he stands over the body of the warlock, triumphant. He's been destroyed! 
Uh, Destroyed, Tokyo- mercy, victorious. Yeah, he he gloats for a moment. Um, when suddenly Nemesis reveals that this has all been a ruse and he just killed an ectoplasmic duplicate. <laughs> oh my god! I, why does no one suspect a sorcerer in to happen? You know, it's true. Yeah, like the uh, the uh, nerd Terminator is like, oh, that might be why his psychic levels were so low. Like, why didn't you mention it, buddy? Like, come on. I mean, he did say the source, the uh, the psychic levels were low, but he didn't say like, oh, this could mean that this is a trap. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's wearing a silly hat. Uh, I'm just gonna say I, it seems like he's just kind of like the off-brand information guy. Yeah, totally. So uh, now, so uh, now, Nemesis is here with Purity Brown, the ABC Warriors, and it's death time. The bots go into battle with a uh, racial slur from Rojas. Good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, man. And there's, like, this is not the end of it either. Nah, uh, but so... Uh, I'm looking at you, Hell Trekkers. Mm, oh, Hitaki goes to attack, <laughs> um, and he fights, like, an ancient samurai. We get, like, some uh, flashbacks to him thinking that he's in, like, ancient Japan and stuff like that. I swear Which to God, friend? this yeah, this other bot, Mad Ron, was named Mad Ronin earlier. I swear to God it was. Yes, Otherwise, no, it was definitely Ronin. If not, I got conf- Or, like, I feel like somebody at one point got confused about who's who the, uh, who the samurai bot here is and isn't. But anyhow... <laughs> so, Hey, it's Mad Ron. What? Yeah, but so Ron goes to mess with the flagship security systems, which allow Black Blood to take control of the ship and open fire on the rest of the termite fleet. Which is awesome. Yeah, Mongrel seals the area off and the gravity goes down, which allows the warriors to kill all the humans pretty easily because they got <sighs> magnetized feet and the humans don't, buddy. Man, they... <laughs> They had the high ground, then they took control of the ship and sent a samurai after all of them. Then yeah, they I, blew up all the ships, and then the gorilla man... It's just everything is happening. Apparently the ABC warriors just cannot be stopped. Nah, they're... Listen, like, you know, that's why we don't want these war bots, buddy. It'll take us out right away. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I mean, they... they I, this is no. what I think. They, okay. <laughs> no, man, the war bots are going to talk to the robots that make, like, hamburgers at McDonald's and suddenly be justified in killing us all. Like, it's not a good oh. idea. <laughs> all right. I do like my my McDonald's robot hamburgers. Yeah, but you don't, like, treat them well. Uh, Torquemada goes to escape, and Nemesis hefts his sword to go after him. So we see... Awesome. It's totally awesome. We see uh, Torquemada putting on his battle armor and reflecting uh. on the origins of his name, Torque, which means torture, and Kamada, which means the burning. Man, I, I went and Google Translate did not find these uh, just these <laughs> translations. Hey, I mean, you know, literary yeah. whatever. But look, it's awesome. He's in battle armor and sh- like shit that Nemesis yeah. is doing just ain't gonna work. Totally, yeah. No, and listen, as somebody whose last name means uh, suffering in German, I can definitely empathize with Torquemada's oh fate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's showdown time. Like you said, his armor is fireproof, ray-proof, and psychic-proof, so they'll have to settle this hand-to-hand, and Torquemada's got an, a, uh, uh, some help with that, because his armor's got jetpacks on it, so he can, like, oh. do jetpack tackles and stuff like that. It's real cool. <laughs> so awesome yeah real great stuff here um it actually reminds me of uh of o'neill's nemesis fights too where they are these like yeah. you know a lot of small panels and like uh um mm-hmm. w- without like word balloons sort of jumping yes. from like 
images of action to another. This one's a little different than the ones we've seen in previous Nemesis books because um, it's really close in, which makes it feel very like gritty and like yeah, actually um, and like CQC, close and stuff. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that um, dude, did you see the hoof kick to the face? Yeah, I was I was gonna say that it just feels like way like it feels really brutal and like just like a slugfest as these two guys who maybe you know already had a fight or wearing heavy armor or something like that just sort of pound into each other really heavily and stuff in a way that's different than like in like nemesis book one where they had like the swords and like 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 fencing all over the place and stuff it's a different feel to the fight you know still big visceral yeah big fight feel though for sure uh, Torquemada mm. breaks his sword on Nemesis's hide and runs to another room as Nemesis follows. But as he does, the Inquisitor slams a door on the Warlock, pinning him in place. Oh my oh, god, die Warlock. Yeah, so in a last-ditch effort, Nemesis spits acid slime on Torquemada's face, which is awesome. And then they go fighting, and Nemesis actually uh, uses his telekinetic powers to tackle Torquemada. They go through the bulkhead and into space outside the ship. Apparently his power armor doubles as space armor. I mean, you know, you want to plan ahead for that stuff. I feel like it makes sense. Exactly. Um. You know, Torquemada is, however, starting to get worried. He knows that if he dies in this body, he'll die for real because it's the uh, it's the goth um, fr- Frankenstein body he got earlier in the story. Yeah. Um, when you die in the space, you die for real. Not me, man. I just wake back up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, meanwhile, the termite fleet is being nearly destroyed by, by Black Blood, and Nemesis manages to goad Torquemada into a laser cannon, which blasts off his lower torso, which, I mean, oh. listen... If I had to lose one torso, it'd be my lower torso. But honestly, I want to hold on to as much of my torso as possible. <laughs> strong agree. I mean, the lips are gone. Yeah, you want that? To- you're gonna want that. You're gonna want that lower torso, buddy. <laughs> well, so like the lower torso, even if even if most of the legs are off, you could replace it with cool tank treads or like. Oh. Uh, mechanical feet. Now you're speaking you know? my language. Yeah. So, um, so he hurls his, so, ne- so Torquemada hurls his sword at Nemesis, drawing blood and sort of like, uh, pinning him down or something. Torquemada uses his armor jets to go to a termite escape pod. Um, but as he does, he, we see that his body is regrowing. The, uh, the goth flesh of his body, you know, the goths are these chameleon guys that can sort of change shape to look more human mm. usually. But in this case, it's just regrown to be all gross. And he's just his lower half is just a horror of worms and terrible. And as his left it's arm is full tentacle. Oh, yeah. Listen, I'm painting a lot of Death Guard right now and he'd be right at home. <laughs> I, especially the tentacle arm, you know. Totally. Yeah, ten- well, yeah, just a big mass of like bloated flesh and stuff. It's real bad. Mm. He tries to explain, you know, needed to make a pact with the aliens to preserve his place in the Empire. But these Terminators know that he is the antibody. The alien they've been warned to be pure, be vigilant, and behave against. They start to attack him. It's awesome. Yeah, Purity Brown drags Nemesis to safety, and the humans fall upon Torquemada, his once proud body, now little more than a giant termite itself as his troops try to kill him. That's really gross. It's just this tiny upper body with a with a flailing tentacle, and what can only be described as the most massive globby fucking like there's like a hundred not a hundred but it's like 20 dudes like totally cutting into different parts of his yeah. lower half 
It just yeah, and it just looks like they're a bunch of kids like on a huge moon bounce, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, pretty much. Each individual guy is sort of jumping around on this massive flesh. Yeah, it's basically kind of a, a big maggot centaur, kind of. Um, but oh. anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> I never. Oh my god, maggot centaur. Oh, that's gross. right. That's right. Yeah, it yeah. Is, that's so correct. <laughs> Yeah, half man, two thirds, two thirds maggot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's wrap up. It's wrap up montage, montage time. Fox, uh, Torquemada. Oh, so yeah, he realizes the error of his ways and asks for a sword. He takes his own life, assured that like you know they'll spin his death and he'll be remembered as a legend for all time and inspire even more alien hate than he could alive. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, the Terminators retreat, including Mechquake, who like uh, bulldozes people out of their way to make room and stuff, which is pretty good. Dude, I, I also like how like just everybody once he kills himself, like everyone agrees pretty much that like yeah, he's yeah. got to do this, and we've got to keep the secret. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, right away, everybody you know uh, buys into the big lie. You know, like all right, nobody tell anybody we're gonna have a big state funeral. He died a hero for sure. Mm. I mean, standard uh, he died a hero uh, protocols here, Fox. I don't want to blow your <laughs> blow your mind a little bit. Um, <laughs> wow! But uh, at a uh, it, it looks like Lord's Cricket Grounds have survived the destructions. Although Great. it looks like everything else is in ashes as well. Yes, that's a tr- that's a cricket joke. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the ion duke agrees that progress is necessary to preserve the empire he commiserates over his lost daughter with nemesis who of course has recently lost his uh wife and son or so he thinks or so, yeah yeah because meanwhile on earth gross baggy alien warlock thoth nemesis's dead uh presumed dead son um, has developed massive psychic powers and is using them to torment his adopted human parents it's pretty oh, awesome God. Like just throws, throws him his, out a window and like hangs him over the endless tunnels of termite and stuff, and then pulls him back in. It's cool, um, but also weirdly blames uh, his surrogate parents, of course, for killing his mother. But yeah. he hates everybody, man. Include yeah, he's gonna get revenge on them all, and most especially Nemesis. He blames his dad. That's nuts. I mean, if he'd been there, you know, um, Magna. Yes. Per- yeah. M- meanwhile, uh, Magna, like the rival for Nemesis's hand, prepares to ease Nemesis's loss as Torquemada's widow Candida ponders a hu- a future where her husband is dead at a massive state funeral. She like you know has to steel herself to not be happy about his death because of course he's come back from the death twice already. So you know. Probably better not to make too big a deal about it in case he hears about what happened in his funeral, you know? Um, right, exactly. But I think, like, what I love about this whole setup is, like, there's a potential bid for power. There's a lot of things being set up for the next. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a very sort of Godfather, like, end of the movie montage where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, all right, like, here's your, or like a, like a, that, like, a episode 10 of a season of Game of Thrones, right? Where it's like, you know, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta tie up loose ends and unravel some new ones so you have something to think about going into the off season, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, finally, Nemesis. Um, finally, like it's uh, it's 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 meeting back up with Nemesis, the ABC Warriors, and Purity. He's softened his views on complete human extermination. Now it's only Terminators. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. He's in the heat of the moment. Um, Nemesis, Purity, and Rojas board the Blitzspear, and they tell the ABC Warriors that he'll call on them soon. Until then, though, there's only one thing to do, Fox. Ah, spread the word. Spread the word. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Boy. Yeah. The I end of Nemesis Book Warriors. 4. <laughs> That's 
And what a what a send off, man! I love that the ABC Warriors are back. Will they be back with Nemesis? Oh yeah. Um, oh man, they're the, 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 they're with us for Nemesis for the next couple, I believe. Um, Ride or die, damn. definitely for the next one. Yeah, um, I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, it's really a great time for Nemesis. I think Brian Talbot's done a fantastic job of sort of picking yeah. up where, where, where Kev O'Neill came back and bringing his own style to it. Um, yeah, I'm really, in, I'm really interested to see, see what the next, you know, what the next story is and all that stuff. It's gonna be real good. Nemesis will return with a teaser story by Kev O'Neill in Prague 430, and then mm. he'll be back for real in Prague 435. So not too long, you know, like 30 issues from now, not not too long. Um, yeah, that's not so bad. This should, yeah, should be good. All right. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, super, super glad. Super love this story. It was real great. Um, I know, right? I, yeah. And I, I do agree with you. It's, I like it is it is a very beautiful visual thing. I like that people kind of picked up uh a lot of the original art and are trying to still stay as kind of true to that as possible while yeah. spinning it up. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And hey, speaking of storylines coming to an end, Fox. Oh it's, man. Uh, yeah. Thrill three, Judge Dread. I got no eyes. He's got no eyes. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T B Grover. Art robot Kim Raymond, Steve Dillon and Ron Smith, letting robot Tom Frame. Oh um, man. Yeah, so we're in the future Mega City One, Fox fighting against the mutant, doing all this stuff. Um, uh, and an injured Judge Anderson and a eyeless Judge Dread are on the run from a zombie version of Dread in the city of the damned, a possible future Mega City One. Um, this is just a complete nightmare. <laughs> it's t- it's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, nothing seems to stop to us. Keep zombie dread down with cassandra's lawmaster out of commission her and joe were forced to walk to a nearby sector house to try to find better weapons not even high explosive rounds which anderson is now out of can stop zom dread um right she's to, and it gets to a point where he's got to like pick her up carry her and run but even that doesn't work out. totally yeah um anderson's been hitting their in, in the legs so like you said uh Dread has to carry her, um, a, a blind person carrying a crippled person that has to act as their eyes. They are G.I. Joe the movieing their way through the uh, City of the Damned. Wow. Yeah, that's the, uh, that, that's the cartoon movie, Fox, where, uh, where, where, where blind Roadblock has to carry, uh, uh, Cobra Commander around. He's like, I was once a man. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my I've god. I've gotta see this cartoon movie. It's real good, man. It's got Don Johnson in it. He's like a new, like, member of the Joes. It's got Sergeant Slaughter. It's awesome. It's got Sar- Oh yeah, well, Sergeant Slaughter yeah. came on full time, I feel like. Yeah, well, this is like his introduction to the, uh, to the thing and stuff Ooh, like that. Highly, awesome. highly recommended if you like, uh, if you are interested in like Crappy's 80 toy, 80 toy, 80s toy movies and stuff. Like Why my, would I not be? You, I feel like you would. My brother and me watched this movie like, a thousand times when we were kids <laughs> like it's one of those ones that like we go back and now like like we we, we got it on blu-ray and watched it and it was like we oh could, my god we could recite the entire movie <laughs> you know? that's awesome just because we watch it so many times you know we watched it till oh. we till till the vhs tape like broke and we had to like change the tracking on the vcr to be able to watch it and stuff oh. jesus <laughs> anyhow <laughs> 
That's fantastic. Yeah, it's you know, it's good stuff. Um, so at but anyhow, so so so, so they're heading in at the Scepter House. The pair encounter more blues, which are the vampire judges, and suddenly our heroes find themselves between a rock of vampires and a hard place of zombie dread. <laughs> So, you know, what do you do in this situation? I guess uh, appeal to their sense of uh, staying alive for the most part. That's right. Steve Dillon takes over on art as Dredd makes an impassioned speech that this fight between that this is a fight between him and the mutant, which seems to placate the the, uh, the blues who let them pass into the sector house. Sure. Why not? Yeah, you know, instead of heading for the armory, though, Dredd heads to the teleporter, to the teleporter room, which I guess they've worked out the the, uh, tech for by 2120, which seems fair. Um, Yeah, I mean, and that's what's funny is it's just like figures that they'll have these teleporters just everywhere. So they uh they set the teleporter to go back to the time machine to just just go straight home. Uh the mutants <laughs> freak out about this and send zombie. Oh, yeah. He basically flips the switch which sends zombie dread from cat and mouse mode to end game mode, which I think is pretty good. <laughs> like like all right, enough of this like walking at normal speed and like just sort of shooting to freak them out, like start running, start punching through walls, start shooting to kill, you know. Uh, it's really good. Starts choking Dread out, really. Absolutely. Um, yeah, burst to the wall, and they're strangling him. It looks real bad. As as the Dreads scuffle, Anderson gets the teleporter working, and all three of them are teleported straight to the time machine, where she hits the emergency button there as well. Just a lot of emergency buttons being pressed here. Um. You gotta press everything when a, a like, doppelganger is strangling you. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so... With that, they uh the world sort of bends around, um, and the mutant gets real angry, sort of Doctor Claw and Inspector Gadget style, you know, dread. Um, back in twenty one oh six, uh, the dread zombie dies right away because the mutant's power isn't there to kind of keep him going. Kind of uh, cool, and also a weird time paradox. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that for sure. Yeah, so they travel back. When they get back to twenty one oh six, Zombie Dread dies right away because he's lost the mutant's power. A blind, yeah, a, a blind dread and injured Anderson crawl out of the Proteus looking real shagged out. Like it's real. I, Steve Dillon draws him so well. He looks so shitty. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love it because, uh, you know, they're like, all right, let's debrief us after you get fixed up. And Dredd's like, no, nah, fuck that. We'll just debrief <laughs> while I'm island. Yeah, like, listen, well, like, you know, they got, uh, they, they got important things to talk about. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so that they go immediately to Chief Judge Magruder. They talk about the dark future. It's dark, sure, but Dredd says it's preventable. They just got to head back to Xanadu and snuff out the mutant before he starts and change that future. Which seems hey, reasonable. Hey, why not? Yeah, get out there. Um, <laughs> Ron Smith is here finishing us up on art as uh, Magruder agrees to sanction the proto-mutant. So it's real I cool. Love his, like, fucked up state that he's in. <laughs> totally, yeah. He's just, like, he's not having a good day. You know, it's been a rough... Field trip to the future, you know what I mean? <laughs> I also love Judge Magruder's uh, coloring in this. She looks just amazing in her super. Yeah, it's interesting. She's got a lot of reds on her um, mm. on on her Chief Judge costume, which is not like the you know usually it's just greens on the uh, on, mm-hmm. on on the Judge costume. Um, but so yeah, so they go to get medical attention. Uh, Anderson's leg will be fine, although not before. There's a pretty decent uh, gangrene joke from a med tech. Um, Which man, you rat! 
Yeah, and uh, Dredd gets cyber eyes that are better than his last ones, like Anderson asked him about. And he's like, yes, these cyber eyes are incredibly efficient. I should have gotten these. I should have gotten them replaced years ago, which That's is ridiculous. pretty crazy. Yeah. Enhanced clarity over distance, 2020 night vision, and 50% reduction in blinking time. <laughs> blinking so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I never have to close my eyes. Absolutely. Um so they uh they they get aboard their ship. They don't say what what, what uh its name is. So it's probably like the Justice One or one of the or mm. Justice Three or one of those ones. Um, and they head out to Xanadu for the Grunwalders. They arrive at his castle where the final showdown of the Judge Child saga took place as well. I think you all well remember yeah. that. There's a lot, a lot of lava drawn by Ron Smith. He's drawn this place a lot. Um, lava's great. I love lava always. Um, <laughs> as they arrive, the Grunwalder's assistant goes to kill the mutant still in its test tube. The judges barge in, find the proto-mutant, and blow it away. Oh, Curse you, Judge Dredd. <laughs> Dude, I love it because he, um, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dooms. And- he, oh, yeah, he just, like, they start to have a psychic battle and he just shoots him in the face? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. And then <laughs> throws him into a giant pit of lava. Oh, yeah. Is that, that feels more, oh yeah, Temple of Doom. Yeah, you're totally, I'm sorry, I got it all mixed up. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Oh man, I'm embarrassed now. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You can cut that out. No, it's fine. (laughs) Threw him in the lava, like just ripped his heart out using Hindu magic. It's solid. Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I guess speaking of, speaking of racism again, um, anyhow. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. But so but so with that, you know, the, the, the mutant's been destroyed. They head and and they nuke the Grunwalder's palace as well, just to kind of stop this from keep happening. Like they they, I, they have, I, they've given him too many chances at this point. Well and I love how they do it and they're like, You realize you gotta be destroyed and he's like, Yeah, I kind of figured as much. So. Well yeah, because like, you know, they basically just said, like, yeah, like you hold on to the judge child after uh, the saga, but then after Destiny's Angel, when he basically allowed him to bring Mean Machine back to life and then um Which, orchestrated an attack on Dredd and Hershey and stuff, now he's gotta go. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It's the way it is. Um but yeah, so once they head back, the uh, side division basically says that, yeah, like we've uh, checked the future and it's looking clear. So mission accomplished, I guess. Um, and yeah, good times. Um, Anderson does, like you said, wonder why the, why the, uh, oh, sorry, zombie dreads in a display case in the Black Museum, um, in, uh, in, uh, Justice Headquarters. And Anderson, you know, like you said, ask the reasonable question about like why the body's still there and why Dredd still has still lost his eyes if the future's been prevented. And like the real answer is just that like it's time travel stuff. It's probably better not to worry about it too much. Yeah, they did the whole looper thing. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, the end of the city of the damned, buddy. That was good. Um, yeah, it was. You know, you'll notice this one's actually pretty short. It's like sixteen issues or so. Um, uh, my understanding is that uh, Grant and Wagner kind of got tired with the story, like part way through. I um, kind of got that feeling. Like you really get a sense of it, kind of when they're just like, "Oh, there's a teleporter." Oh, we teleported straight back to the time machine, so we just hit the button. You know, like you could have easily had like five issues of getting back to the time machine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but instead, they decided decided to pull the plug and finish things up. And it's fine. You know, I mean, they're the ones yeah. who decide it. Um, it, we don't always have to have these mega epics. It's fine. The, and no, in fact, I'm yeah, go ahead. Done with the judge child. So <laughs> totally. Um, 
And um, it's and uh, they're tired of mega epics. Our next one won't be until pro until a 1987 with the uh, Oz storyline. Um, yeah, I do some. I mean, work if you're gonna do a mega epic, work on it as like a passion. Don't just make it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like you know, and it's not to say that we aren't gonna have big stories um, coming up that aren't nice. maybe maybe they aren't like half year mega epics, but they're still really fun, even long term stories. I mean, like uh, we're about to have. Uh, the Midnight Surfer storyline coming up in 85. And that's one of my favorite stories ever. So I'm pretty excited about that. You'll see. Um, and uh, yeah, and so that's pretty much it. The Judge Child will return in Prague 1077, 18 years fun. after Judge Faye's prediction, just as foretold. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. That's a problem for like when we're covering 1998, buddy. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not worried oh, about that too much. So- far away you'd think so but i got plans um anyhow next time on judge dread the hunters club strikes <laughs> yeah it should be good um and yeah you know again fun story i really it was you know uh i feel like vampire hershey is is a real standout for most um both, like both judge fans and awesome yeah and like i kind of like the idea of a big um of a big mutant that just sort of controlled the city and stuff. It was cool seeing him, like, blow everybody's heads off. There's some good character moments with the Anderson here, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, just, um, you have, like, her reaction to the city of the damned. You know, there was, like, that part where they were driving and she was, like, crying. Not because oh, she was weak or something or whatever, emotional, but just because, like, the sheer weight, you know, because she's a psychic, the sheer weight of, um, like, the pain and the horror of the city, yeah, just, like, you know, forced its way into her, you know? And I feel like she did a really good job of handling herself as a judge and stuff, and was really did a good stuff. Did did some really good stuff here, you know? Literally my favorite. Totally. Uh, the pinstripe. (laughs) Max Normal. Yeah, and and, and this story does really serve... I'd say it's kind of a coming out party for Anderson. Um, mm-hmm. It's really a chance for her to shine and also just sort of lays the groundwork for her solo story coming later this year. Oh, awesome. Yes, 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 yes. yes. More yes. Yeah, I know. I, I think you're going to be pretty stoked about that for sure. And speaking of things you might be less stoked about, it's non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. All right, so we start with... Uh, disc three, disc 403, not prog, because the mega oh. plan will be revealed in this classic Brian Ballin cover. Oh, man. Yeah, I think this one's also the cover of the Mutants in Mega City one, like 40, like a single, but this is mm. Brian Ballin's first cover since he did one for Mean Arena back in 248, Prog 248. Wow. And he won't do another one for 2000 AD until Prog 848. So, you know, freak out. What the fuck? Hey, it's a long-term process, you know? So also, Fox, you'll notice that the price of the Prog has gone up to 24 pence. Boo! Oh, this is some bull crap. We're almost to a full pound, man. <laughs> I mean, uh... At least a quarter of the way there, but it's definitely getting closer than you'd like it to be for sure. Yeah. <laughs> could get like a candy bar for that kind of money. Definitely. It's okay. Back in 1980. Yeah, something. So in the nerve center, the Thargolets, a hip rock trio, talk bo- about both the price increase and the mega plan. There's letters about GBH's hair bugs and that madness has started a record label called Zar Jazz with a second Z on the end to make it be more like, you know, like jazz, the musical thing. Uh. Um, yeah, and that has to do with the mega plan, buddy, which is awesome. 
Yeah, the Mega Plan is a Dread-themed music project um, by a band called the Fink Brothers, which is basically just j- just madness, but going by the Fink Brothers. Um, mm. And they're doing a song called Mutants in Mega City 1. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. You can find it on like uh, on the internet. You know, I listen to it on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, Any good? I think it's pretty good. You know, it's got that it's got that sort of madness feel, right? So it's got it's kind of uh, got like some you know synths and and uh, and horns and feels kind of ska inspired and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I would say it's still maybe my third favorite um, 2000 AD song project, I guess. Like, for me, number one, like, the the ultimate one is always the Anthrax uh, Judge Dredd song. Fear the love, fear the badge, he earned it with his blood, or whatever. Um, um, And then um, I also like there's this one um, um, new wave song about Nemesis, which is pretty high for me as well, just just because it rhymes uh, Nemesis with Parthenogenesis, which is pretty solid. (laughs) Whoa, good work, guys. Yeah, and speaking of which, this prog ends with a pinup of Purity Brown on a cool Terminator motorcycle drawn by Brian Talbot. Um, Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I like this version of Purity. She's got this big, um, like, heavy metal, like, the comic book kind of uh, look. And, like, the big, like, uh, like, a, like, like round hairdo or something like that. I don't know. I think it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, so, it's like Elvira meets, uh, yeah, heavy metal, I guess. Yeah, or, uh, or a Bride of Frankenstein, I guess. Just oh, yeah. Because the line in her hair, right? I don't know. Mm. It's usually no, that not- makes sense to me. Yeah, it's usually not like complimentary to call some to re- compare somebody to Bride Bri- of Frankenstein, but that's sure. just how I feel. But whatever. Um, Prague 404. Torquemada says, "Repent and die." In a very nice Brian Talbot cover, showing his new armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Tharg directs thrill traffic in the nerve center. He talks up the mega plan some more. There's some joke reviews of this thing from various sources, um, including uh, New uh, New Mutants Express or NME, which is like a big music um, magazine in England. And uh, the Daily Planet says that it's super, comma man. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. There is also a contest to win posters of Dread or a sweatshirt of Zarjaz. And this one ends Ooh. with a nice pinup of G- of Lady GI Azure by Cam Kennedy. And Azure's Hell yeah. Vi- yeah, she's nice, but listen, man, I've seen uh, Brett Ewan's Venus Blue Jeans, and it's hard yeah, to wow. go. It's hard to go from wh- anywhere else from there, you know. There's <laughs> clearly no comparison. It's true. Oh, uh, man, these guys are jerks. Um, yeah, Prog 405, Dread vs. Dread, and One Must Die, which feels very uh, Silver Age Marvel, I guess. Like, that's like mm. um, like Stan Lee kind of being like, you know, like, and one must fall, you know, or a man yeah. or a machine, you know. Um, I got money on the eyeless guy. It's fair. Um, yeah, so... The arts by, by Brent McCarthy is very fun. In the nerve center, uh, boiled Tharg, sort of a boiled egg Tharg, has more Once thrill again, moves. <laughs> we, have, we get so many egg Tharg's. It's true, man. I guess it's just his round head, maybe? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, and eggs are delicious. Why not? They are super delicious and sometimes nutritious, depending on what the uh, egg board's feeling like at that point. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a picture... Um, 
in the ner- yeah, so in the nerve center, uh, yeah, Tharg's just giving us more thrill news. The end of Stainless Steel Wrath, the start of Halo Jones. There's a picture of a McEnroe trooper. You can't be serious! Um, and wow. letters that include poems, pronunciations for strontium. Um, we're saying it correctly with strontium. It's not what this kid says, which is a strontium, a strontum or a mm. strontium, I guess. Don't believe it. You're weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's anti-teacher teacher's pet sentiments. A theory that the that the mutant is the returned Uncle Ump, and please don't slander the good name of Uncle Ump like that. Thank you. <laughs> there's a full later in the product. There's a full page of winners of various D and D prizes, like over 130 winners in this contest. It's, it's like, pretty amazing. It's ridiculous, and it's, it's a basic set too. It's huge. Yeah, it's like it's you. Know, I mean, yeah, it's 85, so it's just sort of the, all they had for D&D at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's very cool. Like, if you if you like that sort of thing, um, I do. The Prague ends with another pinup, this time of the De, uh, De Grizz family portrait by Carlos Estera. Yeah. yeah, I love everybody's arm to teeth in this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's got at least one gun and, like, a knife on them. At least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pro- uh, got to have your backup knife. You need, I need, like, five guns. I, you know. Just in case. In case the other four fail me. Totally. Um, Prague 406 is a big movie poster cover by Ian Gibson for Halo Jones Book 2. Looking real nice. Yeah, they got all the characters there except for one, but it'd be a spoiler to put them in there anyway. Um, Yeah, that particular uh, royal character. We'll see. Um, In the nerve center, there's pictures of a BBC warrior, which is pretty fun. And a... And they, uh, he's like a T, he's like Hammerstein on a TV and Picasso Tharg. This is, uh, this month's, this is my favorite drawing. Of I agree. This one was really nice, actually. Yeah, it's very out there. I haven't seen anyone do, and like, this to me, it's very creative. Definitely. Um, yeah, and it's really well done, too. Like, the lines are really sharp, which is something we've mm. been missing a little bit in some of these ones that have been a little rougher. Um, Tharg is celebrating the one-year anniversary of editorial droid Sim 1, Simon Geller. And, of course, he announces that the, uh, the, uh, or sorry, and, and he, um, announces the, uh, true start of Halo Jones, the end of City of the Damned. There's letters from an army platoon, a writer correctly guessing the identity of the mutant, Beetlejuice to, to Welsh translations, and a writer yeah. finding a copy of Prague 1 for 12 pounds. Um, I looked it up today and I found a copy of Prague 1 for 41 pounds. Which is like seems like a pretty decent price. Like it was, it was an auction that was still going on, and mm. there was also a listing for a actual space spinner for three hundred pounds, which is too rich for my blood. Oh <laughs> my god, so much money! Totally, one, me too, buddy. Uh, it would be so cool. Uh, Sim One has a section of, of a reader art. This prog, various people dressed as dread. There's a Judge Clouseau, um, Judge Slain, and Judge Nemesis. You know, like Judge Slain's pretty good. Yeah, totally. There's, there's a couple good ones here. Um, and that's it for the middle stuff, um, Fox. Oh, thank God. Yeah, man, I always feel like these things are just stealing our time. And speaking of crimes, Fox, it's Thrill 4, the stainless steel rat yes. runs for president. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you got it. Nailed it, man. Doing my best. Uh, Scripter about Kelvin Gosnell, art about Carlos Scare, letting her about Jack Potter. Uh, oh man, you know DeGriz just does not give a shit about this torture. And it's great, man. Well, we 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 saw him prepping for it at the end of uh, last episode. 
But yeah, so Slippery Jim DeGriz has given himself over to Zapatole, the president of Periasso Aki, to be tortured, basically. Or, you know, he's basically given himself over in a bid to uh, save his son, who's been taken mm. um, hostage and stuff like that. Um, he, yeah, like you said, he's very um, non-bothered by these tortures. <laughs> um, like, he's just kind of <laughs> laughing his way through them, which is pretty great. Making like, great jokes. He's just, yeah, he's just totally like, like being like, oh, like, whatever. He, uh, he drives the torturer to tears, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> he's just like, I can't do anything to him, <laughs> which is really <laughs> funny. You know, I gave my life to this job and it, like, really, you know, mm. I went to torture school and everything and just nothing's <laughs> it's it's awesome and so um eventually he's taken to uh zapatole's um like you know to be ta- he's he, he's taken to the president to be to be yelled at essentially um <laughs> but when he does he uh he warns him of an attempt on his life and the and, and zapatole's like what you must tell me and as he does uh jim gets free and scratches him on the face with his fingernails which, which ooh, yeah, have been virus. they've been dosed by some sort of thing, and um, he immediately, you know, Z- Z- Zapatoli is like, "What? What have you done? Oh no!" <laughs> and immediately, like, sort of in exchange for an antidote, lets Jim and Bolivar go. Although it's Hooray. yeah, but uh, slippery Jim quickly admits that actually it was just a virus to uh, make him feel bad for like instantly so that he would let them go. He didn't, you know, he doesn't like to kill people and all that stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was like in four hours it would have cleared up anyway. Yeah. So meanwhile, Angelina uses the rats' control of the planet's airwaves, which we saw last time. They were like taking control of the satellites and stuff to rebut all news reports and basically wage an information <laughs> war against Zapatoli, which is pretty good. Real um, awesome. But and they've also called in the Galactic Press Corps to like cover the election, which they're hoping should mollify his attempts at dirty deeds. But not quite. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. yeah. Because the president has instead moved up the election. It's going to take place tomorrow, which won't give them enough time to do all the dirty tricks they have planned. So what are they going to do? Not even Ooh, Slippery man. Jim knows. I guess we're just going to have to do this on the fly. Totally. Well, things go go bad when Rat HQ is nuked um the next day basically good thing for that force field yeah they got the force field up and that's fine and then the boys are able to get up and uh shoot down the other ships coming after them so they can that to a head off a a nerve agent attack which they don't have shields for my god um luckily jim has found an answer they'll win by losing judo style you know what i'm saying Uh, that's what i'm talking about yeah jim heads out to vote with as the press sort of follows him doing it and soon the results are in in this district the vote was zapatole 53 5312 and jim two which means that he has uh in fact over rigged the election (laughs) exactly never over rig man you gotta look at make it look close yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough when you're a brutal dictator. You want to win by like a hundred percent of the vote, but you gotta mm. win by like 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 ninety five percent just to leave enough room for error. That's my advice mm-hmm. to other dictators. Um, other what? Anyhow, <laughs> uh, the the election's clearly a fraud, and so um, Jim and so basically they declare it null and void. And they'll have the normal one in two weeks' time. The rats use that time to build their own election rigging system, <laughs> and which great, pretty good. We got to build like our own operating system for it. It's tough. They just got to find a Linux clone for it, I guess. Um, oh. But so. 
and also they started to add some pomp and circumstance to it. So both um, both candidates sort of see the elections read in like the stadium, basically, mm. like in one room in it. As the results are read, the rat control TV announcer to, um, sort of gets fl- fl- flipped in and he announces Jim the winner, but just by two votes. Oh, oh my God. He starts to celebrate when he shot in the chest. And we sort of shot to the heart and you're too late. You give democracy a bad name. Beautiful. <laughs> um, a week later. Uh, De Torres, who was Jim's vice president and a noble guy, has declared the new president as a statue of mustachioed slippery Jim is unveiled. Zapatole sent for sent, sent to prison for having murdered um, Harpo, which is you know uh, slippery Jim's um, alias here on the planet on on Periaso Aki. I mean, it's pretty damning evidence. <laughs> yeah. And the rats head for their spaceship, all alive and well. Um, you know, it's revealed that uh, Jim, of course, faked his death. And he's, like, you know, been incognito as, like, a, a manservant kind of guy. The hey, fi- Yeah, final conversation. Like, ah, oh, like, your assassin's bullet almost penetrated my bulletproof vest. Next time, I'll have to wear steel. Beautiful. <laughs> the end of the stainless steel rat. <laughs> Oh man, it was so good. I I'm, and this is the last of the last, right? Yeah, this is the f- this is the final stainless steel rat story. I should mention. I don't know if I I haven't said this every time, and that's a failing on my, on my part. You know, all these are based on the books by Harry Harrison that I remember mm. I read when I was a kid, and are really um really great sci-fi. You know, just sort of like fun sci-fi books, basically, kind of a harder sci-fi, good times. Um, yeah, man, I I love how just fun these comics are to read yeah definitely you know i feel like we always you know that's what we always talk about with these guys is just how they're kind of like light and breezy and like jim mm-hmm. has a plan but like because we don't know it it still feels fun to feel things unfold and you know mm-hmm. these characters are really likable and you just kind of want to hang out with them and see them kind of successfully <laughs> do crimes basically yeah know? they just want to rob a bank sometimes or throw overthrow a dictator why not yeah totally so i yeah this was um these have really been like joys and things I really look forward to. You know, I love as scares art. He gets to draw a lot of science fiction stuff. Gets to draw Angelina, who's very who's very pretty, and he does a really good job with that. And just um, with uh, Jim as this kind of uh, James Coburn in space kind of guy. You know, <laughs> hey, why not, man? I you know this is one of those things where it's like. Um, you know, with James, with a young James Coburn or just with the right actor, I would love to see movies of these of just kind of like, you know, oh, yeah. of just these sort of freewheeling con artists just kind of rolling their way through space doing sci-fi things. It'd feel like it'd be such like a, like a Guardians of the Galaxy, like sort of sci-fi romp. That would be a lot of fun and really like, and be really great, you know? Right. Like a lighthearted uh, comedy adventure. Yeah, I should Remember say... Those? Totally. I should say also this is the end of uh, Kelvin Gosnell's um, work as a writer in 2000 AD. You know, he was the uh, he was the first regular editor of 2000 AD um, after uh, Pat Mills did the first one. He sort of took over for the first year or so. Um, And, you know, like he hasn't he he didn't do a ton of stuff. But, you know, obviously his his editorial works all over the all over the Prague in the early Mm. days. And he did all these stainless steel rat stories and was able to really boil them down into, you know, boil down like a regular sized novel into yeah. like a 10, in, into like 40 pages of comics per book and stuff. That That's really just, easy. no, and it just really felt, yeah, and, and in a way, it makes you feel like you're getting a whole story, but it's very like, you know, yeah, it keeps moving and keeps being fun and stuff like that. 
So yeah. all this stainless steel red and uh, Godspeed through the universe. Indeed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would I would again uh, strongly urge everybody to read the books, mm. man. They're good. Um, and there's like 12 of them. So if you like the, so if you like these three, then there's more that you don't know the plot for. And um, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, but speaking of things that aren't like light and breezy, Fox, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Thrill Five: The Hell Trekkers. Oh man, it was just such a great slip and slide. And total, gonna, total whiplash. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I love it. I love it so much. It gets a little dicey. Gets dicey really yeah. fast. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, let, let's get to it. Uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's F. Martin Candor. Art robot Horatio Lalia. Letting robot Tony Jacob. It's day eight of the Trek, Fox. Hell trekking across the cursed earth. Eight days so far. Lost a lot of people. Um, and it's, But it's sort of a quiet moment that we open up with. Uh, Rudd's walking around the dragons, checking in and stuff. We see it's the... slice of life. Yeah. The Guppy commune has repainted their wagons to uh, be in praise of the god Gup. And listen, man, I worship my, my, my pappy worshipped Grud. I worship Grub. And my kids are going to worship Grud. So get out of here, Guppers. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> We've got these people doing the whole God thing. We've got these Guppers, like, by yeah. Grud. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Crustacea Glemp has pinched her dad's nose. We meet an acrobat family, the Hubbles. And we check in on the Koosh family in Wagon 23, which is 100% <coughs> Asian stereotypes. They never leave their wagons, but they do talk with a lot of RL swapping. And woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> this it's uh, look, man. I, of its times is a little bit of a hard argument for me at this point because like seventies, you get away with it, but like man, it's the eighties. Like yeah, <laughs> it's it's eighty five. It's like the mid eighties too. Yeah, like this sort of like. like like hop sing um prairie bullshit is not cool dude yeah. this, um, this uh dr fu manchu played by a white man kind of yeah. feel to it it's but like, you know yeah i don't want to like uh, i don't want to get too too oh sure like I, like, like on my soapbox about it i guess i will say that this is one of the things that i that i um hurts me with hell trekkers which is that um it is this bummer like i i find it to be such a huge bummer strip and when you have a strip that's a bummer you really need these kind of moments where things are quiet and you're sort of nice mm-hmm. and sort of lighten things up and so for the punchline of these things to now become this sort of racist caricature as like that's like the uh, that's the thing that's supposed to steal me for when stuff gets bad really um makes it a tough situation <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know I, I mean, my my asterisk around that is, or caveat, if you will, like, man, it's weird how sometimes your grandpa just gets randomly uh, kind of dicey with this joke. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, I mean, right, man. yeah, I'm trying to accept, you know, like, you know, this isn't one of those things where I'm like, yeah, let's quit the podcast, buddy. It's ridiculous. No, but, no, of course not. But like, it we, is one of these scene worse. <laughs> yeah, but it is one of these things that. Like, you know, like, yeah, you just got, I, I got to call it out. We got to talk about it just for yeah, a second because it's, it, it's, it's, it's bad times. And like, you know, we can all do better. Anyhow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are better and, jokes out there, guys. Definitely. So it's, it's Radwagon's Ho. We're heading out. 
Um, they head to Lake Omaha and trail guide uh, Banjo Quint's wound has become infected. They're heading uh, straight. Banjo. Banjo. They're going through a great dust bowl um, and it picks up and a, a huge dust devil picks up <sighs> Red Wagon 5 and just blasts it away like it just disappears dust. over the horizon. That's just not how a dust devil works. That's at that point a tornado. <laughs> You'd think so. <laughs> like a dust devil, if you walk into it, the only thing that happens is you get really dirty. It's true. Outside the bowl, they arrive at the 1,000K pole, which means they're halfway to the new territories, only 1,000 kilometers to go. Oh, God. That's... I mean, I guess it's not far. It feels pretty far to me. I can't believe it's only supposed to be like a 16-day trip. Like, they've gone eight... They've gone like nine days, and they're halfway there, you know? Um, yeah, pretty fast uh, trek. I mean, not without its massive casualties, though. Oh, I mean... <laughs> including with a thousand kilometers to go banjo quint has died no rest in peace banjo you were like literally the most awesome character it's true yeah before he died he gave rudd his the map of his most favored route to the territories and gave him some tips um like a a, huge download of how to survive (laughs) absolutely most importantly to not go due west after the nebraska rift no matter how easy it looks However, this is ca- however Banjo's death is causing dissension in the ranks. Rudd tries to reassure well, everybody, but the nebs aren't having it. Goddamn nebs! I mean, uh, really, when we talk dissension, we're always just talking about the nebs. That's fair. They say that a Judas neb should be the new track master, but everybody else just hates the nebs. So they're like, "No, get out of here, nebs!" Yeah. <laughs> it really, it really is that they just keep trying to usurp, and everyone just like immediately fists and angry like, expressions. Yeah, like, yeah. absolutely not. You like. Got us all killed in Sauron Canyon, buddy. Like, I remember that. <laughs> it was like two days God. ago. <laughs> the only time they've helped out is when they killed all those mutants. Yeah, ridiculous. And the, and they started that fight ahead of time because they could have done, yes. like, ambushed them and lo- had fewer people die. So whatever. Um God. Yeah, so there's hurt feelings on the Neb side, but Rudd is kept in charge. Even the goddamn Kooshas agree in their wagon. So whatever. Yeah, um, hoda- just, yeah. <laughs> it's hoedown time at the marker, and Corky Spallone has once again found a lady to marry him. Which um, is really a damning situation to be in, personally. <laughs> it's just, I like how he just calls out that, yeah, first my wife died, then I was good, then I got a fiance, and she died at the mutant outpost. But now I got another wife, and that's going to be awesome. I hope so, man. Let's have a hoedown. I mean, it feels realistic almost. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, Oregon Trail, man. You got to look after each other. Yeah, I will say um, I just recently listened to this podcast, uh, last podcast on the left, that had a big thing on uh, the Donner Party. Which Hey, that's uh, where I was born. Ooh. Uh, um uh what were they the bidwells were a part of that party and they founded chico california ah cool but so i mean the second part is the part that's all about the cannibalism and stuff the first part is more just sort of laying the groundwork and talking a lot about um like the oregon trail and the trails west and Mm. stuff like that and it's pretty interesting especially if you sort of listen to it kind of with hell trekkers in mind i guess um and just sort of the, the dangers and the complications of sort of 
of you know the non the uh, the non science fiction version of these sort of treks west. You know what I mean? So do you feel do you feel like it was pretty well? I mean, I, I feel mean, obviously not mutant stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely challenges. I mean, if you sort of swap in the mutants for like Native Americans or something, or like uh, the possibility of diseases we've seen, there's less stuff of like mo- wild animals, which would be the analog of the dinosaurs. You know, right? <laughs> and just sort of less sort of, but there are sort of kind of crazy natural hazards you can get into i mean like you know we've seen um like the big swamps and the um, dust devils and stuff i mean the donners themselves sort of went had like took a shortcut that basically took them right across the great salt lake and oh, it's God. real just and it's described as just this terror you know there's no water it's just incredibly hot it's really hard going because of the nature of the salt dunes and stuff like that um that just sort of like, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I will say that it seemed like, you know, like, I don't know, what the, like the casualty rate was way lower or like way fewer people died crossing over. There it was a lot in total because like yes. thousands, hundreds of thousands of people crossed. But it's not like this where like, you know, they're halfway through and almost half the party has died. You know, that's like, that's Ooh. way higher than it was in the wagon trains. You know what I mean? And apparently acceptable. I mean, I guess better to die in hell than live in Mega City One, but there it's That's what it seems, I'm talking about. It's really testing it, you know. But anyhow, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Like, that's an oh, intro. Like, I, I I like that podcast, and I thought it was an interesting thing that just sort of crosses over with this stuff about uh, wagon trains and stuff. Um, that's neat. So they're riding out. Um, yeah, this other lady's depressed because she doesn't have anybody left. They've all died in the course of the trek. <laughs> I'm um, not getting married and I'm angry about it. Oh, drink. The nabs will drink to that too. <laughs> yeah, dicks, man. The, uh, dicks. The, yeah, they're heading out again. There's this one girl who has come down with a huge case of boils, I guess. And the Ooh. trek uh, nears Lake Omaha, which is a giant lava lake. And they're moving through mutant farmland. Quint has warned Rudd not to antagonize these these guys, but of course the Nebs don't listen as young Titus Neb proceeds to shoot one in the face. Which, like, yeah, could you not be a, in, you could know? you not be a murderous like jerk every now and then? You know, yeah, like just for a minute, just, <laughs> God, like just stop making problems. I guess it wouldn't be hell trekking. If you didn't bring a lot, I mean, several, several deaths in the course of this, several, yeah, several deaths in the course of this hell trick are entirely the Neb's fault. Everybody Mm. in Soren Valley, especially one, like even the T-Rexes following them and desecrating graves and stuff like that. That's all them. Are because the Neb's started shooting um, dinosaurs then and all that stuff. Um, Anyhow. The murder sets off a riot among the mutants and go crazy. One of the wagon drivers is killed by the mutants, and Rudd orders the trekkers not to fight back for fear of causing more trouble. Like someone has to yeah. like jump from wet one wagon to another to drive the uh, the now uh, empty wagon away from the rest of the mutants. Well, because uh, someone's been fucking killed inside. In fact, yeah. it's the woman who was yeah, really angry last night. Right, who, who had no one left. Yeah. The mm. wagons drive off the, as the mutants go to cut them off at the pass. Soon it seems they've escaped and Rudd confronts the Neb about the murder. He's defiant and Rudd pistol whips him, which seems reasonable. Um, Damn. The mutants have headed them off. And now basically they're sort of at the edge of this uh, canyon. And just the walls are littered with mutants waiting to basically just drop rocks on them and kill them as if they try to enter it and it's the only way through and mind you they're like rudd's just like nope you're going we're giving you to them 
so that we can have safe passage. And anytime someone speaks up, just everybody else points guns at them. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, there's nothing to be done. Rudd takes Titus Neb and he walks him into the mutants and lets them kill him. They take him down with spears and stuff. It's pretty cool, like just in terms of like a frontier justice kind of thing. Um, yeah, man. And the trek can continue. But next time, parting of the ways. Oh. Which is, in fact, yeah, and that's, in fact, a uh, key part of the Donner Party. So, like, whatever. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, yeah, so they're they're heading off into Adventure in the Unknown. And you know who else is doing that, Fox? (gasps) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jones. Thrill 5, The Ballad of Halo Jones, Book 2. (laughs) Ha ha! Yes, yes. Yeah. And I love how it starts. I just love everything. Totally. So- <laughs> yeah, man. Script robot Alan Moore, art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. Fuck you, Halo Jones is back, buddy. <laughs> Dude, it's so great. I've, I'm so happy right now. Totally. We start like 1,500 or so years from where we last ended in 6427, where Jesus. a professor at the Institute for Parahistorical Studies is starting a course on Halo Jones herself. Um, wow. Apparently over the centuries, there's been a lot of rumor and distortion about her, and he's been studying her and uh, is trying to clear things up. We got a ton of foreshadowing here. Some foreshadowing that isn't even going to actually happen in the comic, because I, um, when it was first written, like Alan Morty and Gibson sort of planned out like 10 volumes, but they only really got to do three. Um, but you see, they they say, uh, like she was a war criminal who aided in the slaughter of millions. She met historical figures like Lux Rothschop, uh, Louise Cannibal and Sally Corsa. And at this point we get like a recap of the first book of Mm -hmm. life in the hook in the hoop and it's desperate sadness. And it sort of sets our story in 4948. It's a really cool way to catch people up if they didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And as them being surrogate students for the whole thing. It's very neat. Yeah. And it really um, refreshes it in, in my mind as well. Just sort of, and also sort of explicitly does some stuff that was mostly implied in the first one, you know? Mm. Um, I I love some of the mistakes that are made. Like like students call out stuff like, oh, you know, what, like, didn't she escape with her boyfriend, Rod Rod Rice? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's cool. It's just sort of, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's a pretty specific piece of information for someone from 1500 years ago, right? I mean, I don't like, I don't like it. It's hard, you know, you have to be a pretty specific, um, or it has to be a pretty specific person for you to know somebody from, from our perspective, like 500 AD, right? Exactly. Um, A Cleopatra-like figure, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, and even that's like from even further back, but like, you know, it's like, uh, like, um, I, I think of a, I think an example would be like uh, the guy from that show Vikings, uh, Ragnar Lothbrook, right? Like who mm. has sort of – we know who his sons are and all that stuff. But it's sort of like, yeah. um, you know, a specific character from a specific time and stuff, whatever. Um, <laughs> we um, we see – yeah, so it sort of recaps the previous version. We see her heading out on her own. Um, and the lecture ends with more – with uh, talking about more of her traveling, how she went to the ends of the galaxy. He uh, – the professor talks about how she saw places that aren't there anymore and then mm-hmm. talks about her most famous quotation that anybody could have done it, which I really like. Um, well, and what's called out in this. So this professor is doing this and this um, student uh, calls it out as anybody could have done it. And he's yeah. like, oh, very good. And there's this thing that's kind of happening where 
the student is obviously very interested in this professor, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, and you know, some some fallen professors, etc. Yeah. But like, she's following him, and and they're talking about, oh, you know, so much. I was very impressed with like how much you knew as a student, and you know, she's kind of digging into his past and like why, like that she really was moved by by his talking. Yeah, she didn't have that much time for love, did you? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I did. I did have someone I loved, uh, but they died. Oh, recently? I'm so sorry. No, 1,400 years ago. Yeah, he loves that Halo Jones, buddy. Damn. Halo Jones. <laughs> that, it, it, was, it was one of my favorite endings. Like, this whole thing. Super, like, okay, you can call all of what we read a recap, but that yeah. super personalizes it. It humanizes it, grounds it in this thing. That, no, uh, I mean, yeah. No, I think it does a really good job of, of, of bringing the character in and of um explaining why this why this story might might be important you know i mean um exactly i mean it's very much like i mean the important thing to know is that like halo jones was kind of weird when it first came out some people liked it but for a lot of people they kind of bounced off it you know i think in uh in like both on both in social media and in the 2008 forums a couple of people talked about this how like they were reading the comic at the time and maybe they didn't understand it that much or something like mm. that um so this is a good way to get people into it and just sort of like, you know, kind of tease, like wet your, like a, like tease your appetite for Halo Jones by sort of saying like, you know, there's more to this character than you might think. This is the first start of a massive story and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, like it's important and you should pay attention to it, which I think does a really good job of doing that, you know? Yeah. And I, I really suggest people who, who might not have read it since to like give it a shot. So like I'm I'm starting to love this almost more than Skiz at this point. And Skiz just like touched my feel zone. Nice, yeah. I think um you know the it's important to to look at these guys like sort of from you know in total you know and so I think yeah. like get, getting a chance to sort of see you know Halo Jones is three books. It's hard to judge it by just by the first one, but this second one has some really amazing and um, heartbreaking moments. I'll say. Oh God, damn it. <laughs> Um, so let's get started with a postcard from Pluto. A lot of narration in this book of Halo Jones as opposed to last one because mm. we see her writing letters to Rodice, who she believes is going to be meeting her um, like at Valhalla because she's supposed to be getting the next ship out basically, which we'll see. Yeah. Halo's aboard the Clara Pandy. We get to know her cabin mate, Toy Molto, who is a seven-foot-tall cool. lady who's hard as fucking yes. nails, buddy. She's real yes. cool. Um, she is really awesome. Totally. She broke There's... a dude's wrist when, uh, when someone tried to touch her. <laughs> That's right. There's also another person in the cabin, but Halo can't really remember her. If it is a her... Who so knows? kind of a stowaway, maybe. Well, yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, Halo has to wear a silly outfit with her job, complete with a wig for her hostess job. It's very or, fancy. You know, oof. I just think the wig is real crazy, especially because, oh, yeah. like, it's very poofy. And then, like, they're, uh, the uh, leotard or space leotard thing they have to wear also has, like, these furry shoulders. So it looks like it, the, the wig's continuing down their shoulders, basically. It's weird. It's super fancy, though. Halo is impressed by this lady, uh, Suzanne Gutlier, um, a socialite. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Suzanne Golighter. 
Glider, thank you. Um, no problem. Yeah, I, it's hard to pronounce these things. I'm all over the place. No, I, um. I, I, I specifically looked up the same because there's. I remember there's like some other fictional character who's a Golighter. And, uh, I, uh, I remember like uh, it's, it's a play on words. Uh, I, I remember Holly Golightly from uh, Bre- Bre- uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Speaking of uh, Asian stereotypes, I guess. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, but she's a socialite with a familiar voice for some reason. She's also quite taken by Mix Nine Gold, the ship's handsome cyberneticist. Um mm-hmm. Halo's also spending time with the ship's steersman, steersman, who is a cyborg dolphin that swims in a small pool, which is very cool. She talks to it in cetacean, which is like dolphin noise. You're like, eh, 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 eh. I can't do it anymore. Oh my god, I've, I've forgotten how to speak the language. She's uh yeah she's also spending a lot of time with Toby the Robo Dog who actually seems in very high spirits after Brenna's death. Well um, yeah he's also getting his memory uh, spools replaced soon. Yeah it seems like there's like domestic stuff yeah like Toby needs his memory spools replaced. Um, Halo has to leave food outside this one mysterious cabin. Um, Toy thinks it's the cabin of uh, industrialist Lux Roth Chop who we, who who bought the Clara Pandy right at the end of of uh, Halo Jones Book One. Mm. Um, who and who is also apparently aboard the ship is this like you know mysterious millionaire guy. Halo signs off, and as she does, she bumps into Mix Nine Gold in the observation platform oh, of the this Pandy. Is, this is such a slice of life piece of gold. I love this <laughs> totally. Yeah, they look out at the stars from the observation deck, and Halo points out one as being particularly beautiful. But Mix lets her know that that isn't a star; it's the solid waste disposal trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Halo Jones, exercising the dog. Hey, why not? Man, I love it. 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 I love everything. This uh, storyline, I'm real hooked. I'm excited. Totally, yeah. It just really throws you in um, into the Clara Pandy and just kind of lets you get to know things and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. and the wor- you know, this new world Halo Jones is living in and stuff. It's very exciting and just like a new sort of slice of this future that we can see and like spend time with her with and stuff. I love that um, the the navigator dude says the steersman is a dolphin. Yeah, that's great. Um, I also like the dude who comes to get her that says like, "Hey, he wants like some company that can speak it." All of his words just run together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We saw him when they were getting the job um, at, yeah. at at the spaceport. You know, that's a recurring recurring oh, yeah, character right. who talks all like smashed together and stuff. But mm-hmm. it feels like a very kind of futuristic thing where like maybe like you know pauses and stuff like that. You know, you, you get a like weird Maybe's future. Of them. Yeah, there's like weird future dialect things and stuff like that. And I also I mean, Ricky Ricky Icky. Kiki, Kiki, Ritikitiki, Exactly. Yeah, and I kind of like all like it's funny. I I love this dolphin just because, um, yeah, it's like a, a a cross between like the or no, it feels really Dune inspired. I guess yes, like the uh like those guys with the like the the guildsmen with the spice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it in turn feels like it inspired, um, giant mnemonic where's that, where there's that, uh, code cracker dolphin, um, oh, yeah. in there as well. in both the short story and the movie for that, but yeah, man. All right. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great comic. Read it. Spread yeah. the word. I mean, you know, it, of all the 2000 AD things, like saying like, hey, you should read this Halo Jones feels like the le- like the thing you have to do the least in terms of like, <laughs> like. Like, hey, do you know this? Like, I'm I'm trying to think of something else that's like where there's a whole bunch of things in one superlative. I don't know. Like, 
Wow. <laughs> like, have you tried like 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 yeah, like we're gonna eat like the steaks from this cow, but you know, I've heard the filet mignon is actually pretty good. Like that's like a good part of it. You know, you should check it out. <laughs> that's great. Um finally, oh man, one more story to go, Fox. And it's uh, that's yeah, hustle. <laughs> Thrill six, future jocks. One, okay. one, yeah, one future shock this month. Uh, Crazy War, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Anthony Jazawak, letter robot R. Starkings. Wars being waged above ground, aliens versus robots, the world's elite hiding underground, underground bunker. It's been three years. Richers are getting restless as these sounds of war constantly piped in like big booms and explosions, along with updates of the war. One of the elites catches an inconsistency in these updates and they storm the entrance. The robot guardian there tries to stop them, but is destroyed. The elites leave the bunker and find that there's no war going on at all. But what's that? Aw, oh, dip. The aliens won and, so, and the robot's been keeping them safe by just sort of saying that the war is still going on and hiding them. But now they're out and about and the aliens swoop in, blow them all up. <laughs> Good times. <Right. sighs> sometimes, sometimes just better off staying in the bunker. Bam, bam, bam. All right. Keep, and, keep your head in the sand. I don't know. Yeah, it's a we- it is a weird uh, moral for sure. And with that, Fox... Oh boy. We've completed this episode February 1985, Progs 403 to 406, our first episode of our third year doing this podcast. Oh yeah! <laughs> May all acquaintance be forgotten. I don't know how that actually goes. It's fair. I don't think I know either. I kind of know how to slur along to it. Um, big yeah. question, though. What are your top and bottom thrills? I feel like there's a lot of uh, a, a lot for top this month. Oh my god! I mean, like I have to actually. Ch- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go with bottom first. Okay, I guess. I mean, yeah, that sounds good. Because that's because then it gives me some time to like, like I'm doing right now, where I'm like padding out as I like kind of these pages and, yeah. and like have to make a, a fucking specific decision about really great things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so for my bottom, and again, no, no hard feelings man i mean it's gonna be rogue uh it feels like a lot of setup for just going back to a thing maybe it'll be better maybe it'll Mm -hmm. be worse at this point i hold no judgments but in terms of like things keeping me moving once i got Mm -hmm. done with like my rogue sections it felt like it was just like this fast forward through a bunch of cool stuff and then a sudden halt at a future shock (laughs) so like that's where i'm gonna put it it's not the worst thing in here uh certainly if i if i could say if you had to skip anything from this month it would be a future shock like you don't need to read that um (laughs) that in my mind but you know rogues rogues on the bottom okay now i've i've kind of padded this out sufficiently enough i should have an answer i don't uh nemesis is so fantastic uh judge dread super fantastic um like i'm not going to give anything to to sort of like these two issue startups but do you know what i am going to do is say fucking stainless steel rat for pressing nice and like so there's a couple reasons for this because i i know it was only two issues Mm -hmm. so my thing is is that uh, i try not to give things that only do two these things but given that it's like the last one yeah like no that feels fine yeah what i've enjoyed the most um, from our last couple of reads is that it is just a slip and slide. It's like that, like when you're at a water park and you're going through the really cool thing with all the loops <laughs> and the things, then eventually you land in the pool and you're like, man, that was so fun. Like yeah. I had such a great time, like 
hanging out and like watching things blow up and watching these people be fucking criminals and rake elections. Yeah. Like it's it's such a fantastic comic. And like I know we have sillier comics come through, but for whatever reason, like Gosnell just rocks this so hard and that's fucking great yeah so, i'd say him, I'm, I'm him giving it to and him. harrison they both play oh, a yeah, big yeah. part in uh in, in the writing there nice the, 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 that, that, that's awesome i think it's really worthy for the end of the stainless steel rat we, we've had a ton mm. of fun over the years with these stainless steel rat stories so and, i think and it's I'll a worthy send-off special special mention for nemesis and dread which I mean, did the fucking hard labor work of being awesome. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm enjoying Hell Trekkers. Uh, obviously, I'm going to enjoy, uh, you know, um, Halo Jones. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's this, like, it's such a good time right now, man. And it's real, so I have real to fun ask stuff. You, kind sir, good sir, who are your top and bottom thrills? Ooh, it's a good question. Um, like you i'm pretty i'm it, it it's hard for me to pick a top there's a lot of really good stuff i love uh nemesis the showdown between him and torquemada was really great just like all the big fight scenes are really cool and i really love the ending montage where we just check in on all these different parts of the plot and sort of ha and sort of you know really tease you and whet your appetite for the next book as well this sort of like oh look right. at all these different balls in the air i can't wait to see what's going to happen you know that's really cool um, mm -hmm. I really love Dread and like, you know, the end of the story is really cool. I love, you know, honestly, like I'm just a huge uh, Steve Dillon fan and, um, for art. And when he draws Dread, it's really cool. I really liked, um, <sighs> the showdown with the mutant at the end, like, like at, at the Grunwalder's place. I really just liked right. seeing like messed up Dread and Anderson like piling out of the time <laughs> machine and stuff. Like there's that. You know, it's not one that I feel like a lot of people talk about as in, in terms of these things, but I just really love that one image of um of the time machine door opening and you just see like a blind dread and a messed up Anderson and they just look like so um beaten up and like messed and like messed about and stuff that I think is yeah. re a really amazing image and like um, just a really great, like, uh, I don't know, just like sort of a, like, oh, these guys have been through a lot. Like they, they've had an adventure for sure. And they're sort of the worst I mean, for wear for it, you know? In, in your words, uh, you know, you say you gotta, you gotta investigate the apocalypse. This is what you get for doing Right. That. Yeah. And also I just like, also there's a big long term thing of like, you know, Dread now has cybernetic eyes and that becomes something that he's got to worry about as time goes by. You know, oh, it's a, awesome. it's a permanent change to this Dread character. You you know, I mean, it's not a huge one, but it is one of these things where like, you know, I remember there was a recent story where they went to some place that had a ton of like EMP like problems. And it's just like, you know, you have to do a line of dialogue to explain how Dred's eyes still work in like this environment and stuff. And I kind of mm. like just like just the uh, seeing this toll and having these sort of permanent things added on to Dread. I, I, I appreciate when that happens because it's so easy just to revert to sort of the status quo. That's fun when it doesn't. Um Wow, that's awesome. Like, there's that. Um, you know, like you said, stainless steel rat's real fun. I've really enjoyed us talking about it. Um, this start to Halo Jones is really cool. Um, God damn, it's great. Just that. Um, that one line of anybody could have done it seemed real, really awesome. You yeah. know, the, the the first time I saw it, I actually misread um what the story, what what was going on there. Um, mm -hmm. just because I thought that the uh 
I thought that the student that says anybody could have done it, she kind of looks kind of old and stuff, or she looked like older than Halo Jones's, I guess. I don't know. To me, at first, I saw that as like an older Halo Jones sort of saying that. So did I. That quote, just because he's also got, got kind of a headdress and stuff like that. So that's sort she of like. looks very similar. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I'd imagine that's on purpose um, to the young Halo Jones. But because, I, I, I guess, because Gibson drew her a little bit more realistically, she also looked a little like, you know, like, like more like a, a later in her life Halo Jones. So that, mm. that, uh, that quote really got me for a, like the, the first time I read it. I was like, ooh, like that's, that's real cool. Um, yeah. So, and all that stuff is, like, all that stuff's real good. I guess I'm going to give, so, what, what, whatever. What, what's your top, Conrad? Stop talking <laughs> talking it through. Jesus Christ. Um, I like it, man. You got to pat it out so yeah. you can choose the best of the best. Long-ass episode. So, um, I'm going to say my top is Nemesis. Ooh, I just really liked it. Um, oh, it's so good. Power there, armor. Yeah, and there's that one page um, where Talbot just draws the fight, and there's just word bubbles in the top row of panels, and there's, like, 12. 12 or I think 12 or 14 panels on that page and it's just uh nemesis and twerk them out of pound the shit out of each other and yeah like you said like there's that one part where like nemesis like hooves like kicks him in the face with his hoof and stuff like that so, and it, yeah and like it's just so like brutal and visceral and just an awesome fight that that stuff's really cool um and then sort of setting up the next part of the story is really good too so um and then for my bottom ugh, like I kind of agree with you that like um Rogue is a little bit of of spinning wheel stuff, but even more than that, I felt like Hell Trekkers was. You know, they were sort of. I yeah. kept being like, I feel like they were at the uh, they were at the uh, at the halfway point for like three issues, which was like I felt like wasn't um, felt like they could have been moving. I guess almost. Sure. Um, I did really like the Neb stuff and like the uh, turning this guy over to the mutants for frontier justice and stuff. That's a really cool idea. I mean, that's what should happen. And a really, yeah, and and and, and that was really neat. Um, I got to deduct points for the cushions showing showing yeah. up because you know, good lord. Um, and I, you know, and there were parts in Rogue Trooper that I really liked, um, like the um, like Helm like disintegrating at his wedding and like Rogue holding his mouth closed is a real touching moment. <laughs> um, I really thought that was really cool and just the idea yeah, of just like these guys dissolving rough. and stuff is real, real harsh. I, you know, I really liked um, Az like Azure feeling betrayed and stuff. I thought that was really cool um, or mm. a, a really interesting story beat, I guess is, 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 is what I want to say. And mm. I kind of like seeing sort of the larger parts of Millicom. And like I said, I really like sort of the throwback to Cam kennedy's uh vc days with that stuff and just kind of like rogue sort of like diehard in his way through the space station and stuff lockdowning his way around i guess oh uh, my god <laughs> but um i thought all that was neat and i just kind of like the idea you know like the uh, all right like like we're back in the saddle and stuff like that hell yeah that was a fun thing. And, you know, this was only like six issues or so, so it didn't sort of o overstay its welcome. And I do basically like Rogue. It's just like, you know, sometimes it can, you know, I can, it's a meal I can get full of, you know, if you know yes. what I mean. So I'm going to say Hell Trekkers at the bottom, Nemesis at the top. Everything's real good, though. Like, this is a real banner month and one that I, I'm definitely keeping in mind for the 85 spinnies when we get to them, you know. Oh, man. That's great. Yeah. 
I yeah, definitely awesome times and a great way to to finish year two, start year three, man, for sure. Oh hell yeah, yeah, dude. Can't wait. Hour forty five episode. Jesus Christ. Um. Oh, oh no, my God. Probably less than that, but like I'm at one forty one right now. <laughs> It's crazy. Um, But I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at spacespinner2k. Everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. Appreciate your feedback, like we said at the top of the show, in any form. And then come back next time as uh, Judge Dredd goes against the Hunters Club. Rogue starts his new adventure. We'll learn all about the side testers. Halo Jones goes to the rats. The Helltrek shoots the Nebraska Rift. And Slain is coming. <gasps> we won't actually get Slain next episode, but we'll start oh. seeing teasers for it. I'll mention also the uh, side testers coming up next week is the return and also the final work in 2000 AD for our old friend, the artist, uh, Mike Dory, who did great stuff in in Mach Zero and stuff, but who I really like, and I'm excited for him to return. Totally. And until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid for three.